Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 on and off the track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimIllman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the 1000th F1 race. It was the Chinese Grand Prix and how was it Kim? Well the race itself was pretty dull. I think almost everything I've seen on social media would... um concur that nothing much exciting happened apart from the start when Lewis jumped Valtteri but uh, in terms of photographs uh, I had a great time and um, it's just a miserable place though with the pollution and the grey skies Mm. although I must say this year we had a couple of stints of blue sky Mm. and uh, some actual sun but what, what, what amazes me is that so coming from Perth where you see the sun hit the horizon especially when you're down the beach in China you don't it, you lose sight of it. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe five or six times the height of the sun above the horizon because there's just so much pollution in the air. Okay. You don't see the sun. It's like it's very orange late in the afternoon, but then you, you lose sight of it. So was there any raining this time? I was going to say the, a lot of the photos looked very good compared to you know previous years. No rain, but there's a funny situation there. At the end of the long straight, they have these lily pads uh, that cover the grandstands, and they're quite lovely and a lovely feature and beautiful to photograph. Mm. And on the middle of the track, because it's a big U shape, there are these tyres, and stuck to the top of the tyres is some rubber, and it fills up when it rains with water, obviously, mm. and then you can shoot this reflection shot. Ah. Well, to be honest, there hadn't been rain there for days, so photographers, and I'll put my hand up and say, yeah, I did it. I just took down a handful of bottles of water and you just fill up (laughs) this rubber thing with water and you get this lovely reflection shot. Now, I can tell you that the likes of Getty and uh, the major news agencies aren't actually allowed to do that because they can't go and contrive a situation. They have to present what's true and factual. So, look, if it's there and they arrive, they can shoot it. But um, I think their ethics would not allow them to do such a thing. Is that because it's more news-related than creative? It is. Yeah. But, look, i got some reasonable shots down there with that reflection in it. Uh, I'd like to be better, obviously, but uh, that comes with practice. But I, I wasn't unhappy. So how was your time in China overall? It seemed pretty busy from your blogs? It's crazy busy. Traffic's not too bad, and I ended up staying at a spot which was only about 7.5Ks, but you had to take a taxi, and then uh, coming back, you had to take a train to another stop because you couldn't get a taxi anywhere near the circuit. Okay. And there's always a language barrier, which is a bit of a challenge. So I'd take the train to a first stop, get off in a beautiful shopping centre there, and then I'd just walk downstairs and there's 20 taxis. So, yeah, it, it was no drama in the end. But uh, getting around the track is good. There's a bus that goes inside and outside the track, and you can cover a lot of ground, whereas some tracks we go to you have to walk. Mm. Somewhere like Singapore is a nightmare to get around because there's... No bus. There's only probably a footpath either side in some places on that track. And uh, really, if you're going out to the far end of the track, you're stuck out there. You know, there's no getting back quickly at the end of a session. So this was the 1000th F1 race. Were there any special festivities or things going on behind the scenes? There was down in the paddock. There was a beautiful big mural which said uh, F1000. There was, on race day, just before the driver's parade, there was a group photo. And I must admit, I didn't know this until I walked out onto the track and saw an abnormally large number of chairs and a huge big golden banner that said F1000. And all the drivers and all the the, uh, team principals and luminaries rolled up out there. And there was, oh, there would have been 50 to 100 photographers and video guys all clamouring for a spot to shoot straight on. And I Mm. thought, well... I don't want that shot. Everyone's going to get that shot. So I went around the side 
and I was near Lewis and Charles who were standing in the back row and there was something interesting here because I thought who's this guy this guy's come running across to Lewis and Charles and he's just a local not an official of any mm. sort and he's just grabbed Lewis by the shoulder and swung him around and said come on selfie selfie obviously in Chinese yeah. and I, I stupidly didn't have my camera up because I was transfixed <laughs> by what I'm seeing and I thought, that's not right. He shouldn't be doing that. And Lewis rightly turned his back on him. And the guy grabbed him again and said, come on, photo, photo in, in Mandarin, I guess. And it took security, I reckon, about six or seven seconds to realise what was going on. And I think Rosa, Lewis's press officer, got to the guy first and started to say, hey, no, that's not on. Mm. Um, and I think probably it went largely unnoticed by most of the media, but because I was only five metres from it, it was um, really acutely real to me. So the security ended up grabbing him and bundling him off the track. But he just seemed like a guy who managed to get access to that part of the track and thought he'd get a selfie at that particular yeah, moment. not the best of times. How foolish is he? Does stuff like that happen often where people are coming at inappropriate times to yeah. get things like that? In fact, you ask that question and, and that immediately springs to mind is straight after the race, I was out the back of the FIA garage with a the non-podium drivers come out all sweaty and I like that shot as we've discussed before and Daniel's come out and within seconds a guy a local guy with his kid he's pushed his kid up and said to photo photo Daniel hasn't even had a chat with Michael his trainer and that's what you do you come out and you have a chat and you get a towel and you towel down but it just seemed really wrong Mm. that people would have that little respect for these guys who've just spent 90 minutes Mm. thrashing around a track as this was the 1000th race, I noticed you had a photo of Nico and Daniel from Renault were both holding 1000th race GP helmets. Yeah, they were, on the Thursday there was a Renault function down in the paddock late in the day and the two drivers brought down new design helmets specifically for this mm. race and Daniel's was um, a tribute to Jack Brabham and it was a very plain looking silver helmet with three on it and Ricardo written. had his two major sponsors uh, above and below the, the visor but it had these yellow marks on it to look like it had been pit marks from stuff flying off the track and hitting their helmets. I thought that was a really great design. And Daniel was so pleased about it. He was just visibly excited and smiley. Great to see. And I happen to know that um, David Brabham, Jack's son, actually contacted Daniel's father Mm -hmm. to say, and probably Daniel as well, to say that uh, the family was touched by the um, mark of respect there. Was that helmet actually used in the race or was it just for a show? No, he used it. He oh, drove in it. And all my awesome. photos that's you great. can see. Uh, did he use it the whole weekend? Yeah, he used it the whole weekend. Oh, excellent. Were there other races with uh, similar helmets? Well, there's Nico. It was slightly different than normal. Um, a couple of the other drivers had some mention of the 1000, but I, I must admit I didn't take that much interest in everyone else's helmet. So I believe Valtteri Bottas walked over you? He did. Uh, funny story here, race day, very early in the morning, and there's no one in the paddock. It's just dead. And I see him walking up to the Mercedes garage, and, and he's on his own. Now, he doesn't often come in on his own, mm. so that's nice. There's no one around. Now, what I did was I actually laid down on the ground mm. to get the camera as close as possible to ground level so that you shoot up. Mm. And with a longer lens, he then looks huge compared with the buildings. Now, you couldn't do that if it was a busy day because there's too many people about, and especially if there's other photographers because they'll be walking backwards and tripping ass over tit over you on the ground. Having the whole place to myself, I thought, yeah, oh, I'll get down and do this shot. So I'm taking photos as he gets towards me. It gets about four metres away, and it's too, too close for my camera, so I put the camera down and I go to get up. And I think, oh, he's not stopping. He's 
he's got eyes oh, walked straight over me, and he's had this big broad <laughs> grin on his face. And I thought, well, that's really lovely. He's got a sense of humour to have done that. Now, I would have loved to have had a photo of him actually walking over me, mm. but of course there was no one else around. But later that night, Alice Wright, who uh, I know from F1, and she's lovely, she sent me a picture of that moment, not of him walking over, but of the moment when I took the nice shot of him. Mm. So I do have that particular shot to verify that I was actually lying prostrate yeah. on the ground. And uh, I would have loved to have seen the one where he stepped over me. But, yeah, a real character. I loved it. I, I love when the drivers play around with you and, and all the photographers at F1. Nico. Nico did the same thing yeah. coming in, as he often does, where he puts up his jacket in front of his face and uh, has a bit of fun with us. And we love that because mm. a lot of the times they don't do it. They just walk in all very stiff and plain-faced. Yeah. But I think the beauty of the stuff that I'm talking about here, these two particular incidents, there was no one else around. Mm. It was one-on-one. Like if there was maybe 20 or 30 photographers, would he have done it? I don't know. But with one-on-one, he did it. And um, actually, you probably have seen on my uh, Instagram feed and also in the blog that I asked him to sign a photo for me. Mm, yes. Now, I took this beautiful pic of him and Martin Poole, his trainer, in Abu Dhabi last year, and he's posing really bizarre, like an Avengers sort of pose. And I only took three frames, and luckily one was sharp and beautifully framed. So uh, he loved it and put it up on his social media late last year. And this year in Melbourne, I dropped him off a pic and said, look, here's an A4 for you, and uh, here's an A3 for me. Could you sign it, please? And I went back later and spoke to his trainer and said, any chance I can get that back? And he goes, well, actually, he likes the A3. He's going to keep that. It's up in the uh, driver's <laughs> room. And I said, right, well, look, keep the A4 as well, and I'll drop you an A3 in Bahrain for a signature, which I did, but I didn't get it back. And then this race, I saw him. He said, yeah, we're going to do it this race. And then on race day, after he did that, did that funny thing with um, putting his jacket in front of his yeah. face, uh, Martin said to me, look, yeah, we'll go and do that now. We'll go and sign that now. So I thought, great, I'll hang around for a couple of minutes. Ten minutes later, Nico walks out and he says to me, um, no, nah, not feeling creative enough at the moment. Um, I'll do it later today. And I thought, ah, oh, well, maybe I'm not going to get it back today. But anyway, 15, 20 minutes later, I get this text message, oh, it's ready, come and grab it. And uh, when I get down there and pick it up, and I thank Martin as I walked away, I read it, and it says, making an average photographer look great. You're welcome, <laughs> three exclamation marks. His signature, and then he's gone and defaced the faces of himself and Martin by putting beards and uh, funny marks under the eyes, which I thought, that's a great touch. That makes mm. it a real personal piece of memorabilia for me. Uh, and the fact that he'd taken time, been creative with it, and not many of the drivers do that. Pierre Gasly did that for me, wrote a nice note, and, um, yeah, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I like that he took the time to think of something creative to put on the photo here, for here. you. He and Daniel are like that. They're, I can't believe both of them are in the same team because they're mega personalities. Yeah. F1 On and Off the Track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Well, speaking of Daniel, I saw on your Instagram and your blog that there's some big posters of avocados that fans had with Daniel's face in them. Uh, what's the story behind that? There was a piece of vision that ran a few weeks ago of a young kid, and I'm thinking maybe it was at the Australian GP, and he said, oh, I really like Daniel Avocado. And <laughs> since then, it's taken off. We're <laughs> ham and avocado, Hamilton and 
Ricardo. Mm. That's that's the joke, ham and avocado. So yeah, d- down in the main straight, I was doing the grid, and oftentimes I forget to look up in the stand. But I took a moment and looked up and thought, oh, look at that! Two huge half avocados with Daniel's face plonked in the middle where the stone normally goes. So I think those photos have probably gone around the world because most of the photographers would have seen that. So let's move on to the race now. And I believe you started at turn one and then went turns one and three and ended on turn four. How did the shooting go throughout the race? It was um, it was grey again by the time, and very windy too. Okay. But look, I'd like to say I got some great photos, but they were just single cars mainly. The, the start was good from mm-hmm. where I was. But no, no crashes, no touching, no nothing really of anything to brag about, except for the fact that I had 18 cars in the shot for a couple of mm-hmm. them. Look, just not great. But I did end up going back up to the media centre, six laps to go, mm-hmm. and we can actually stand out on the balcony and you shoot the cars from nine floors up going down the straight. Would have loved three or four cars to be going together, but they're pretty much in single file there. But they're nice shots. And then I went down afterwards uh, and shot the FIA garage at the end, and I missed Lewis out on the track. He came and did his celebration, but he was very quick. He, um, they, they, they do three or four photos, and then they say, oh, someone grabs a bottle of champagne, and Lewis takes off because he doesn't want to get wet again. Yeah. And I thought, and at that point, I thought, right, well, he's not coming back out. And we waited for 15 minutes, and thought, oh, that's fair enough, and went and did something else. Then I found out he'd actually gone out onto the track because he's got a whole lot of British fans and probably local fans that hang around after the race. And when he won, was it last year or the year prior? No, it was the year prior, definitely, because I remember I went out there and I shot him in front of all those fans. But I didn't stay long enough and I missed that shot. Daniel Ricciardo actually placed seventh this race, which is a great improvement from previous races. How did he seem throughout the event? Relaxed, jovial. Just his normal self. I think he's pretty good at putting behind him what's transpired. Certainly Nico was a bit unlucky. He didn't finish the race. So, mm. uh, yeah, they did get their first points, and it's good to see him on the board. Yeah, it is. Let's talk about your Instagram now, because I believe over the 1,000th race weekend, you not only passed your 1,000th post and picture on Instagram. Yeah, somebody pointed that out to me too. I had no idea. Hey, you've done your 1,000th post in the 1,000th race. Mm. How appropriate. And you also surpassed 10,000 followers. So I just want to say congratulations on that. Yeah, it's all the uh, zeros in these numbers. Um, yeah, it's. I, I quite love Instagram, the fact that you can get that instant feedback from people. Mm. And when other people repost your stuff, it, it helps, I guess, grow your audience. And that's what I'm about, growing an audience and uh, communicating with them and just conveying what it's like to be ringside. That's what you are. Yeah. You are right next to these cars. Uh, and like. I was thinking about this on the weekend, what a marvellous thing it is to be able to go onto the grid and be a part of that fervour. And and there's another Mm. shot too, if you have a look on uh, kimelman.com at the photos from Sunday, you'll see that some great shots of the cars coming into pit lane and they come down a hill, so a crester is where you can actually see underneath the car. So I get these shots of these cars cresting this slight hill Mm -hmm. and behind them are the city buildings from, I think it's Anting, which is the town around the uh, area. And you don't often see that high-rise buildings behind F1 cars. Mm. Now, you can only get that shot, I can, because I don't have access to pit wall. There's only a half a dozen photographers who have that access. So I can only get that shot as the cars go out and come back in and do their sort of warm-up laps before they go onto the grid. Mm -hmm. So really, you probably only get five laps, and you've got to be down there and ready to get that shot. But, yeah, it's unequaled. I wanted to pull up a comment from N1 Looney who asked uh, for some tips for amateur photographers. Do you have any helpful tips for people who are heading to upcoming GPs and how they, how they can get great shots? 
It's, it's tricky because you've often got a wire fence. But however, sometimes we go up in grandstands to shoot shots that we like. So mm. if you haven't got a wire fence in front of you and you can get a clear shot, it's worth taking a long lens. But you know what makes me laugh? It says on the tickets, no long lenses because they're regarded as professionals. Okay. But on the weekend, I haven't, and in fact, most races, I don't know whether they police it that tightly, up on turn one, there was about eight photographers standing on the hill. So they were above the fence and they were getting similar shots, perhaps even better shots than what we could get down at ground level uh, with long lenses. So if you've got a long lens and you can get it in there, you can get fantastic shots. But I would uh, urge people to practice their panning because that really is the secret to taking a good photo because... You don't want your car locked solid at four thousandth of a second because that car could be parked on the track. You don't have any idea of movement, so you need a little bit of movement in the wheels, a bit of blurring in the wheels, and um, you can get that at you know, a couple of hundredth of a second. And then if you're really good, you get down to 60th, 20th, 10th of a second and keep the car sharp and everything blurred. But I find the best practice for that, and I've done it, is I go down to the freeway here and I just pan with these cars for okay. an hour or so. And you get into a groove and... Um, it's just reading the traffic because a couple of corners that I remember shooting on the weekend, when you first get down there, you pan at the same speed all the way around. And then you realise, hang on, they're breaking into that part and then they're accelerating out. So you've got to go a little bit slower and then a little bit faster. Okay, that's very interesting. I never would have assumed uh, you'd have to take into account their own velocities, but that makes complete sense. You do. You've got to keep uh, your camera moving at the same speed as they are moving. Is there much difference between cars on a freeway moving at like 100 kilometres an hour to, you know, F1 cars moving ridiculously fast? Yeah, there'd be a, uh, a greater degree of difficulty. Although I would suggest that we don't often shoot them side on at 300 k's an hour. That's not much of a shot. Mm. Um, well, look, it can be a shot, but... More so, it's when they're coming towards you and then it's not quite so critical that uh, the panning's not as much. Um, but certainly there is a difference and the better photographer you are, the sharper the shot you're going to get, the faster the car is going. Mm. As you were leaving China and heading to the airport, I believe you bumped into Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, when I um, arrived at the airport, I got out of my car and uh, I noticed that Kimi was getting out of the car in front. So I went and... Um, went through security to get into the main part of the airport and a few seconds later I hear this huge screaming of women <laughs> mainly I'm pretty sure it was just women and I thought oh oh that's got to be Kimmy he's got fans here to greet him mm. and I thought well I'm a bit early I've got all my camera gear in a, in a bag admittedly all bagged up so I thought oh, I'll just go down this aisle here and see what's happening and sure enough he's checking in at the counter and there would be about 35 to 40 predominantly young women, and I'm talking in their 20s, and they're just swooning over the man, <laughs> probably four rows back, and they're just waiting. They've all got their cameras and they're polite enough. Mm. And then, of course, he checks in and he walks down to go through immigration. But I think what happened was that his uh, bag got caught up and he may have had some um, lithium batteries in there because okay. they pulled him off into a room. And I've, I've had that happen to me where I've been uh, dragged into a room and they say, oh, open your luggage because these girls, predominantly girls, were standing outside this open door into this room just photographing <laughs> him and videoing him, and they were so bloody excited. And then he came out, and I, I got my cameras out by this stage and, and took a whole lot of pictures of it because I thought it was an interesting story because he's all in black, black cap, black T-shirt, and I believe he'd had a big night out before. I got that impression from some social media <laughs> posts I saw. But he was 
as usual, head down, straight for the gate, not stopping, no autographs, yeah. no selfies. And these girls are just pleading, Kimmy, Kimmy, <laughs> Kimmy. So uh, uh, it was funny to watch. Well, thank you very much for uh, being here with me this episode, Kim. My pleasure, I promise you. To see any of the photos we've talked about today, head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIlman.com. You can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at Kim Ilman and become one of his over 10,000 followers now. If you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now.